dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in God's country crops far as I can see headlights on both ends of my day this country life is for me ride with us HPJ ride with us HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Midwest Ag Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Associate Editor Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm joined, as always, by my colleague, Associate Editor Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. Happy Mother's Day. In case nobody told you that, happy Mother's Day. I hope you got some sort of treat out of it. Did the boys treat you good? Well, I woke up with a nauseating headache, so... I told everybody just to leave me the heck alone and <laughs> let them play on their respective devices in front of the television until about one o'clock when their dad came home. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, happy Mother's Day, honey. <laughs> just another day. So my birthday was Saturday, 41. Enjoyed a, an evening out with the girls. The fella and I celebrated the week before. Um, we went to Wichita for the weekend and... I got to go to the Wichita Art Museum's um, display of Georgia O'Keeffe paintings. I so was, you drug him through Georgia O'Keeffe paintings like you did me and Sarah? <laughs> it was his gift to me. And in fact, the gift also included no snide comments about Georgia O'Keeffe. <laughs> I didn't make any snide comments when you drug me through the museum. You know what, Sarah, Sarah, our, our former colleague, uh, Sarah Farley, when we were in, in uh, Santa Fe, Santa Fe, for a meeting, I said, ladies, we have one day to do something. The only thing I want to do is to go to the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum. And, and they, she didn't ask. It was, you're going and drug is, us. This is what we're doing. <laughs> and I said, now, don't rush me. And to their credit, they only rushed me after the first 30 minutes. <laughs> so when Garrett, when I, I said to Garrett, I want to go see this exhibit because it's free at the Wichita Art Museum this weekend, this day. Um, he's like, okay. And I said, but your gift to me is no smarky, snarky comments, no chatter, no, you know, hurry up, no heavy size, no eye rolls. I had a whole list. <laughs> and to his credit, my fella delivered. He was very sweet. And he, we got there about 45 minutes before close because of traffic, et cetera. Nice. <laughs> but so we, he didn't technically have time to make the snide, no, snide remarks. He, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but to his credit, um, he didn't rush me through the whole thing. And there were a couple of opportunities for him to comment <laughs> on stuff <laughs> and he didn't Kayleen I was very very proud of him good for him he waited till we were in the car of course that's the best place for it to just unload <laughs> you know I, I love um I, I love Georgia Keith and it's it's not because of what people think her paintings represent she was a broad of all broads in her time yeah she had zero cares given, <laughs> shall we say. Um, she did things her own way. She lived her life her own way. Her paintings and her art are just phenomenal. 
there's a realism to them. There, I don't know. The colors are just so vibrant and beautiful. And and for me, I think the reason why I really love her work so much is because the very first time I went to an art museum ever, I was a freshman in high school at Chapman, and you know, little podunk town in in podunk Dickinson County Kansas right and our drama teacher took us on a trip to Kansas City to the Nelson Atkins Museum and that's where I first saw one of George O'Keefe's paintings and it just stuck with me the colors and the the movement on the canvas it, it just stuck and so I I appreciate art because of that one little trip and that one painting so well that's pretty neat yeah so anyway, that was my birthday present. Speaking of birthdays, today, May 15th, uh, in 1862, President Lincoln signed the act that created the U.S. Department of Agriculture into law. Happy birthday, USDA. Yeah. You know, we do a um, people wonder why we still have a USDA, you know, Department of Agriculture. Ha, ha, ha. What's that secretary do? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> well, folks, USDA actually has a lot of, of responsibility for keeping the country fed and a fed country is a pretty much peaceful country yeah it is you know we take for granted that we don't have to stand in line for food yeah that when we go to the grocery store not only is the shelf going to be full but we're going to have variety on that shelf and it'll be safe to eat and it'll be at a price point that you may be able to afford yeah you know i've been in some countries where there have been empty shelves and um, food shortages and rationings and you don't ever want to get to that position so not only do they keep us fed but they track information and they do research into how to do our jobs better and they implement the the snap program so they help with uh people that are on food uh our food stamps and and that sort of thing usda has a big responsibility so the next time we have a State of the Union address and the Secretary of Ag gets selected to be the lone survivor <laughs> and shuffled away, you know, here's here's hoping that we don't ever have to use that. But I think that'd be a pretty smart uh, secretary to be the lone survivor, don't you? Yeah, I think so. They'd probably be pretty resourceful. Exactly. Okay, speaking of resources, <laughs> did you see the story about the Nebraska farmer who I, amputated his own leg? I did. I skimmed through it. Kayleen, what, what was that? I don't know. He took a shortcut, it sounded like, and kind of paid ca- the price for it. It was caught in an auger? Is yeah, that what I read? Was, I think he was dumping grain and walked around the corner of the truck and got caught into the auger. <gasps> I'm, I'm not sure the logistics, how it was set up but it looked these were after these were hospital photos yeah. of him i'm assuming leaving the hospital bandaged up so so a of all farming is an incredibly dangerous <clears throat> business we are around equipment and livestock that don't really care no. that you have some place to be and some place to go they will hurt you they will kill you any given day exactly and uh you know we get into a rush we we get into a hurry and we we have to we have to get the seed in the ground and we have to you know we got to get the harvest out of the field we got to put up hay we got everything one on top of another yep. but you know what there's always time to stop and be a little bit more safe yeah. and mindful about your surroundings and teach kids this as well we have the farm safety for just kids program 
that's been around since what the 90s the mm-hmm. 80s yeah you know when we were kids it was nothing to ride on the <laughs> you know have op- no cab tractors yeah. and ride on the fender as your dad was roading yeah. the tractor between fields <laughs> or ride in the back of the truck wheat truck or right yeah. playing grain <laughs> How many of us thought, you know, a grain, a, a pile of grain was like, you know, the beach. The sandbox. The sandbox, right? <laughs> Holy buckets. I lost um, a flip-flop one time in the back of the wheat truck and the guys at the elevator were kind of amused. <laughs> There's a little, little girl's flip-flop. They had to find my flip-flop. <laughs> You're lucky they found it at the elevator and not the, at the flour mill. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, we chuckle about that. But seriously, farm safety is a very serious thing. And... If you're on the road listening to this and you are not a farmer, but you're maybe driving behind a farm vehicle right now and you're cursing that slow moving equipment with their slow moving caution sign and you're, you know, calling that person not so many nice names, (laughs) just remember it is planting season and we are in delayed planting. So if we want cornflakes next year or ethanol next year or soybeans or any, any type of, or even cotton, for yeah. that matter, these guys need to have a little bit of leeway. Yeah. So slow down, let them have the right of way. They'll get into that field as, as soon as they can. Everybody goes home safe and sound at the end of the day. Yeah, be a little patient. And I that is like totally hypocritical of me because <laughs> I kettle. am the least patient person on the planet when it comes to no drive in pukes, but yeah, it is what it is. So it, it only takes a second to just think about what you're doing. Well, and, and honestly, um, somebody timed it. The length of time that you're stuck behind that tractor between fields is about the same time as an average stoplight in a major metropolitan area. Yeah. It's a stoplight. You know, and, and if you're going to pass them, choose it at a safe place. Yeah. Make sure that they know that you're passing them. Don't just rush up behind them and zoom around them and zoom right back in front of them because, trust me, you cannot get some of those circus trains of equipment and tractors stopped in time yeah last night on the way back to our house it was a it's a blacktop road so it's got some paint on it's got some lines on it mm-hmm. so this guy pulls out he didn't st- he rolled through the stop sign and just kept going as a pickup and trailer it's tuesday night i'm assuming he's going to the sale on wednesday mm-hmm. taking cows to town and i had to cram on my brakes to get slowed down to not run into the back of his trailer mm-hmm. and it's only 55 on that road and so my son asked, well, what's, what's the, go around him. What's the double lines on the road mean? I'm like, means I cannot pass and I have nowhere to go. And it's, there's a bridge up here, so I really can't pass. Mm-hmm. And so the guy turns the same way that we're going and <laughs> proceeds to get through his gears, I'm guessing. And it took a little while. And Sean's like, just go around him, mom. I'm like, I can't go around him because mm-hmm. I can't see if there's a car coming and I can't get around him safely and so i did get to the spot where i could get around him so i got around him and of course get to the stoplight and look over beside me and there he is <laughs> in the time it took me to go around him and speed up and yep get to the stoplight there you didn't, he is you still didn't make up any time no yep but we made it to baseball on time so <laughs> everybody makes it home that's the that's the whole goal of this whole conversation is we all want you to make it home safe and sound you may be tired at the end of the day you may be a little bit frustrated after you know dealing with farm traffic on the roads but you know what everybody goes home at the end of the day yeah so 
um, that's our, our PSA, our for, PSA today. for today. Please be safe out there. And uh, to that Nebraska farmer, good luck, good wishes for healing. I'm, I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. I can't imagine the pain and yeah. I can't imagine the thoughts in your head, but you are a tough man. Kudos for him for taking kudos. care of himself wow. and saving his own life, essentially. Exactly. You know what? Um, we got to be th- we got to be thinking to be safe out there. And from now on, I'm carrying a pocket knife. <laughs> a sharp one at that. Exactly. You know what? Good news. I saw that Dr. Temple Grandin from Colorado State is going to be inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah, isn't that pretty neat? That is pretty cool. Um, Dr. Grandin, she has done tremendous work on behalf of the cattle industry. We we do things differently just because she brought it to our attention that um, cattle react to things a little bit differently. She's cattle behavior. Um, she's pretty much the go-to. Yeah. Uh, on on cattle behavior and how to deal with you know handling stress and that sort of thing. The entire industry changed because of this woman raising her hand and saying we can do it better. Yeah. And showing that we could do it better. So um, good good for her. And she's all, you, you've been around Dr. Grandin. She's, um, she is high-functioning mm-hmm. autistic. Uh, she has her doctorate. Um, she just thinks at a different level and yes, a different she speed. Does. And if you're out there and you have a family member that is on the spectrum, you know what? She's a pretty good role model to see of how... Somebody can be on the spectrum and they can live a very full and fulfilling life and have every sort of opportunity to contribute to society. And if you're the person that doesn't know who Temple Grandin is, there was a movie, HBO movie mm-hmm. made several years ago. Look it up and, and learn about her. It's very, very well done. Claire Danes actually got, um, she won several awards for yeah. her portrayal of Dr. Temple Grandin. Oh, so here's some fun news. Recent in the news, we saw that there was a recent judgment on behalf of a couple in California that sued against the makers of Roundup for $2 billion. That's billion with a B. So basically, the trial attorneys are getting getting rich. (laughs) And, of course, Monsanto's now bear is going to fight this all the way up to the highest court in the land. Um, This was... Now, something important to remember, this was a jury award. This was not based on science. This was based on the... Emotions and feelings and... Exactly. That sort of thing. The plaintiff's attorney really sold the emotion aspect of it. And, and honestly, when you see a couple, and an elderly couple dealing with cancer who have who's claimed that it's due to using Roundup on their lawn for so many years, yeah, if you don't understand science... You're going to feel a little bit sorry. Yeah. But every other agency out there has studied Roundup. It is probably one of the most widely studied products we use in our crop protection arsenal. It's been around for forever, glyphosate has. And um, it is one of the safest products we have out there. Trust me, you get rid of glyphosate and there is some way worse stuff. Yes, there is. And when we first started applying this sort of thing, you know, my dad tells stories of when he was a kid and farmers in his area would, would go out and spray for bugs or whatever. No protective gear, no masks, open cabs. They ca- sure as heck no didn't cabs. wash their hands. They didn't wash their hands. <laughs> um, they're just out there, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, out there, you know, willy-nilly spraying. Mm-hmm. Even to the 70s, you could buy an open cab spray rig. Yeah. 
Now we understand that, you know, you need to protect workers no matter what they're handling. Honestly, back then, the, the chemicals they were using, if we have to bring those back, we're in a heap of trouble. <laughs> well, and as much as they cost, your <sighs> people are not spraying willy-nilly. They are planning out their spray procedures. Mm-hmm. They know how much they're getting. And I've seen an awful lot of spray, spray planes around here lately, so they have to be efficient. Oh, yeah. So... One thing that somebody brought up on the Twitter sphere and ag Twitter, and I, I kind of somewhat agree with this. As a homeowner, I can go and buy Roundup in a jug at Walmart or Home Depot or any other big box store. I can buy a, a, a gallon jug or five gallon jug or whatever with its own little spray attached wand with a little battery in it that all I have to do is just wish, wish, wish spray, right? Yes. I don't have to go and show that I have an applicator's license. I don't have to go and show that I have continuing education credits to keep that license. Or have a hazmat license. (laughs) I just have to have a check that clears. Yes. So explain to me how applicators in commercial settings have to have licenses to use this, but regular homeowners can just go in and buy this stuff off the shelf. Yeah. That should be the, the thing that gets fixed. Absolutely. Because honestly, if you, if you, truly think that this thing causes harm then why would you you know your neighbors are spraying it without having any concern yeah or training this is this is the the illogic of a jury trial that kind of bothers me because i believe in our in our justice system i believe in trial of a jury by your peers etc etc but you know what you game the system yeah and two billion dollars that's just that's just trying to send a message that we know we want to go back to the dark ages yeah. of farming. They're making an example out of somebody. And how much Roundup do you have to spray to physically feel the effects of it? Honestly, it's meant to... Uh, okay, for basic science out there, again, we're journalists. We are not scientists, so you know, take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> yes. But there is a difference between animal cells and plant cells. And if you got a C in basic biology like me, you might actually remember that. (laughs) Um, Glyphosate does not affect animal cells. It's designed to hit plant cells. Yes. Our cell walls are a lot different than plant cell walls. That's just it. And so I I have a hard time thinking anybody. I I, I just, I, I have a hard time. Yeah, I do too. Let's not go down that rabbit trail. Yeah, but I like rabbit trails. (laughs) So we've got a lot of delayed planting out there. Um, Everybody is just itching to get into the fields. And it just seems just when we get stuff warmed up, storms come again. So, yeah, good luck out there. If you're sitting in um, in your shop waiting to get into the field and you're listening to this, A of all, thanks for listening. B of all, Maybe switch from some other beverage than what you're currently consuming. <laughs> no judgments, no judgments. But, you know, try not to make a drinking game out of delayed planting. Okay? And stay away from Twitter. <laughs> and stay away from Twitter. <laughs> hey, folks, don't forget, if you enjoy this podcast, do us a favor and share this with your buddies or drop us a line at hpjtalk at hpj.com. We sure want to hear from you. In this week's episode, we're going to bring you the stories that you might have missed in the May 13th print edition. I have an interview with the folks of Kansas Wheat about the upcoming National Festival of Breads in June in Manhattan, Kansas. And then, of course, Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets, and we'll have some final thoughts. 
So here's hoping that some of you are listening to this in the tractor cab as you're finally in the field for hashtag plant 19. And thanks as always for choosing to ride with us on HPJ Talk. This week's cover story was from Kayleen, Pieces of the Puzzle, Considerations for Producing Quality Alfalfa. She spoke with Emily Glunk McCage of Montana State University about improving alfalfa quality on less land with maximized resources. McCage spoke at our Alfalfa U event sponsored by Alpharex Seeds, John Deere, and High Plains Journal earlier this year. On page 1B, Jenny has a wrap-up from the Wheat Quality Council's Hard Winter Wheat Tour April 30th to May 2nd. After 469 stops in Kansas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma, the tour estimated an average yield potential May 2nd of 47.2 bushels per acre for a predicted harvest of 306.5 million bushels. On our opinion and editorials page, 4B, contributor Lacey Newland has the editorial spot, and Seymour clearly writes about new statues coming to Statuary Hall in the U.S. Capitol. Tom Wiedemann, CEO of AAA Club Alliance, AAA Kansas, writes about April as National Distracted Driving Awareness Month and wants readers to battle in-textification on the road. On our livestock page, Larry Dryling leads with a story about the USMCA and how it can have a positive impact on the U.S. economy. Remember, if you have a response to something you've read or heard, or there's a local topic that you want to bring to the attention of our readers and listeners, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. Or you can always call us at 1-800-452-7171. We want to hear from you. with the Kansas Wheat folks, and we are talking all things National Festival of Breads. And I am with today Cindy Falk, Nutrition Educator, and Nutrition Education Assistant, Julie DeRucci. Welcome, ladies, to HBJ Talk. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. <laughs> all right, Cindy, um, we've got the national, the sixth, and it's not annual, because we have this every other year. Right. But it's the sixth National Festival of Breads, America's Bread Baking Championship. And this competition, remember, remind me again, because, you know, two years ago I was a judge. Yes, you were. And that was great the best thing ever. <laughs> you were a great judge two years ago. So that's right. We hold it every other year. Mm -hmm. So this is the year. If people want to come to it, you know, this is the time to come to it on Saturday, June 8th here in Manhattan. Great. So why the National Festival of Breads? Um, I know, but to let our, our listeners in on that. Well, what better place to host a national baking contest than Kansas? You know, we're the wheat state and we're the breadbasket of America. So 
Um, when we started this contest back in 2009, it was to celebrate the wheat industry and home baking. And you know, we have a great story to tell. Kansas sure has do. that reputation of quality wheat, and we use that to make um, champion loaves of bread. Mm -hmm. So um, this has been tagged as America's only good old-fashioned bread baking contest. Um, so we're going to begin this at the beginning of our Kansas wheat harvest so our guests and media from across the U.S. can learn how wheat becomes flour and eventually makes its way to the dinner table. You know, a couple years back, I was lucky enough to be one of the media people that went on that pre-festival tour with the, the finalists. And I gotta tell you folks, um, for the listeners out there, it's kind of it's kind of fun to watch the aha moments because you have these tremendous home bakers. I mean, these ladies and sometimes men are the best of the best. They are on. They know how to make those ingredients sing in the yes. oven and and in your palate. But getting them out there at a wheat field and showing them a, a grain facility like uh, Cargill's out by Salina you see their eyes just light up and then they start making connections and they realize that it's not just an ingredient in their pantry, it's people in the field. And that's the best part, I think, of what you guys do with the, the homemakers. And, and we agree from uh, thank you notes that we've received from former finalists, that was a highlight mm -hmm. coming to Kansas and being on a wheat farm and riding in a combine and meeting a wheat farmer and his family. Um, so that's a big part of this contest. And um, on June 8th, which is a Saturday, this event is free and it's open to the public at the uh, Manhattan Hilton Garden Inn, which is right downtown Manhattan. It's across from the Flint Mills Discovery Center too. That's right. And it is free, but we encourage people to bring a non-perishable food item or a cash donation at entry to benefit the Flint Hills Bread Basket and Harvester's Com Community Food Network. So uh, the selection process, Cindy, um, or Julene, did you want to talk about the selection process? I can. Okay. We, we had over 300 recipes entered online and the main entry requirements were to include Red Star yeast and King Arthur flour to develop an original yeast bread recipe and submit a photo of their bread. Okay. We had a team of professionals that read and evaluated every recipe that was entered in both the home baker and food blogger divisions. So when you guys were reading those recipes, what kind of stood out in your brains? I mean, was there, was there some that were sorted out as that's a little ambitious for our home bakers or was there some, some ingredients that popped out of like, I don't know if we can source that easily enough or what were some of those things? Well, we have a lot of points for originality. Mm -hmm. But it also has to taste really good, too. Um, first of all, some recipes, I hate to say it, were disqualified because they did not follow the rules. You know, that's number one, is to read the rules on any contest. Mm -hmm. uh, they had to use the title sponsor's ingredients, which are Red Star Yeast and King Arthur Flour. And of course, they had to write complete instructions, so when Julene and I get ready to test them, uh, we can understand what to do if they don't tell us what type of flour they use or 
If they forget to add an ingredient um, in the instructions, then they're pretty much disqualified. Gotcha. So it's not a pinch of this and a, a handful <laughs> of that. We appreciate precise, <laughs> accurate listing in their recipes. <laughs> so now you had some top recipes, like 50 of them, right? We did test about 50 recipes in our Kansas Wheat Test Kitchen. That is a lot of taste, test tasting. Take, Taste testing. It's it's also a lot of dirty dishes. <laughs> so, so did Justin Gilpin get on, on the on the dirty dishes or on the taste testing? Taste testing. <laughs> so um, now you have eight finalists, four home bakers, four food bloggers. Yeah. Food blogging that's a that's a new thing this year, right? It is a new division we added this year. We're excited to have four food bloggers uh, be part of the top recipes coming to the bake-off. Mm -hmm. yep. So now um, we've got top recipes that were selected. Julie, um, these, these sound delicious, absolutely divine, and I am sad beyond sad that I'm not a judge this year because let me tell you, I, I saved up those Weight Watchers points just for <laughs> the <laughs> Well, we do. We have four top uh, recipes in the home baker division, and those finalists uh, Rochelle Hubsmith from North Logan, Utah, has her chai ube rosette rolls. And that recipe features chai spices and ube purple sweet potatoes in the dough. And then they're shaped into pretty rosette rolls and baked in a muffin pan. And then we have from Tiffany Aaron of Quitman, Arkansas, a mold spiced apple cider crisp loaf. And this is a clever combination of mold spice cider and apple crisp in a bread. And so the apple is incorporated into the dough and cider in the glaze. And then Lauren Katz from Ashburn, Virginia has her loaded baked potato bread. And this bread has mashed potatoes and sour cream in the dough. And it has chives, cheddar cheese, and bacon in the filling. And then it's creatively shaped like a baked potato. I was going to say, I'm looking at that picture. <laughs> yeah. and it looks like all you got to do is put a pat of butter on it. It looks like a baked potato. And then our final home baker uh, is, the, is, from, is Brenda Watts from Gaffney, South Carolina, with her Sicilian star bread. And it combines soy ingredients, tofu, and soy milk in the dough with Italian flavors of Romano cheese, Kalamata olives, basil, spinach, and marinara sauce, and is attractively shaped into a star loaf. Neat. And then our four food blogger division winners, uh, the finalists are Mary Graham from Newhall, California with her blackberry ginger speculus Danish wreath. And it's a beautiful bread full of flavor, blackberries, uh, spe speculus Danish spice blend, which is cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, anise, ginger, and cardamom and crystallized ginger and refreshing lemon. And then Shauna Havey from Roy, Utah, has her beetroot amaretto rolls. That filling has a very original use of beets, and the dough and in the dough and filling, she incorporates different almond ingredients, almond flour, almond paste, almond milk, almond extract, and even sliced almonds on top. Oh, and they look absolutely too pretty to eat. They are pretty, and delicious too. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Kristen Hoffman of Chicago, Illinois, is, has submitted her tart cherry pecan and rosemary boule. And this is an artisan-style bread. It's baked in a Dutch oven, and it combines tart dried cherries, pecans, and fresh rosemary. And our last finalist in the food blogger division is Susie Neal from Saute Nakuchi, Georgia, with her peanut butter pretzel rolls. And these are tasty rolls featuring powdered peanut butter in the dough 
and then they're dipped in a baking soda solution, giving them that pretzel texture and flavor. Oh, yum. <laughs> I am so jealous. Now, however, there's also samples, right? Yes, yes. yes. Our local Manhattan Hy-Vee is preparing samples of all of these breads, so you will get to taste these. So if, if anything, you need to come to the Festival of Breads just to wander around the big giant room because the cool part is, is that uh, each finalist makes these throughout the day. So yes. you can watch them, you can ask them questions, you can taste test now because mm -hmm. we have the samples professionally made yes. in, a, in a safe food, food safe kitchen. Yes. Oh, but what else happens at Festival of Breads? Well, as you remember from um, two years ago, we have a big main stage um, where demonstrations are going on. And I might also say that the doors open at 8.30 on that Saturday, June 8th. Mm -hmm. So it all begins at 8.30. And we have a complete list of times and speakers and demonstration topics on our National Festival of Breads website, which is nationalfestivalofbreads.com. But um, I'll just give you a little lineup of some of our national baking experts. And we're just really excited. We've got such a great team here that people can come and just sit down and listen to these expert um, teachers. Brian Hart Hoffman is president and chief creative officer of Hoffman Media and editor-in-chief of Bake from Scratch. Um, then we met a delightful, uh, dynamic TV chef and radio, radio personality, um, Chef Tess, or Stephanie Peterson. She's from around the Phoenix area, and she'll be presenting two demonstrations. She's also a cookbook author, and will be selling her cookbooks. Uh, she'll be autographing them and a culinary instructor. So she will be a delightful person to listen to. Well, and the way you guys have that main stage set up is so neat because you can sit there, you can stand around, it's, it's in the heart of the action, and you can ask questions of those people. I mean, these are real baking experts. So even if you're like me and you love to consume, but you're really lousy at the whole <laughs> making process, <laughs> This is the day that you go and get those questions answered. That's the, the best part. See, the only, um, the only criticism I remember uh, from two years ago was one lady said that we didn't give her enough time to run to the restroom because she, <laughs> she wanted to sit there all day and listen to the speakers. So, um, so uh, hopefully people will get up and have time to go to the restroom. Um, we'll, we'll try to build that <laughs> no promises. <laughs> um, and everybody um, knows Charlene Patton. She will be representing our Kansas Soybean um, Commission. She's one of their spokespersons, and she is going to be assisted by her um, four daughters on stage, oh. and I think her grandchildren. So... Well, and you guys have had a good partnership with Kansas Soybean and a few other Kansas state organizations throughout the years, right? Yes, but Kansas Soybean Commission has been a sponsor for the last few years. So we're excited to have um, Charlene Patton on, on stage. And then the last one is Libby um, Treadway, and she's from King Arthur Flowers Bake for Good Kids Instructor. Um, I remember her from two years ago. She had a bread shaping demonstration in, in one of the side rooms, and that was such a joy. 
you know, King Arthur Flower has been a valued sponsor from the very first contest. And what some people don't realize is that although their baking center and their big um, center is located in Vermont, they purchase a lot of our Kansas wheat. And a lot of it, a, a big percent of it's milled in Kansas. So, um, so if you go to the grocery store and buy King Arthur flour, not only are you supporting a sponsor of the National Festival of Breads, but you're probably buying your neighbor's wheat. Yes. And that's a tremendous asset to us here in Kansas. And it's milled in several of our communities. Mm -hmm. So we're just really proud to have King Arthur Flower as a title sponsor. Um, so that's a story about King Arthur Flower that we like to tell. So now, Julie, we've got a whole bunch of other activities. This thing keeps growing and growing. It is, yes. it's, yeah. I, I like to say it's, it's rising. The that's rising. right. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's great, Jenny. <laughs> yeah. So what else do you have on, on yes. this Yes, in addition to the baking competition and the main stage speakers, the festival includes bread and fun for families. Uh, pizza in a bag activity is going to be a pizza crust mix that families will assemble and take home for a family baking activity. And then we have a huge white tent out in the Blue Earth Plaza this year, specifically for children's activities. Oh, good. We'll have Ag in the Classroom there. They'll be making wheat germination necklaces. We'll have wheat plants from our greenhouse here at the Kansas Wheat Innovation Center, a hand mill, a spinning wheel game, play clay, coloring sheets, face painting, balloons, and temporary tattoos. Please tell me temporary <laughs> tattoos yeah. are Well, they are. There's some uh, patriotic tattoos, yes. Now, now uh, asking for a friend, uh, does it have to be a child that gets a wheat temporary tattoo? No. Anyone no. can have one. <laughs> you know, asking for a friend. Sure, of course. <laughs> Well, so what else? Yes, we have Ask the Baker sessions, and that is going to be put on by Home Baking Association, and it's geared towards family and consumer science educators or anyone that teaches baking. Uh, so you could go with your question, your burning questions, and, and <laughs> ask them at the Ask the Baker sessions. And then we have food trucks. We have Friendship House, Tasty Traveler, The Outpouring, and Becky's Beer Rock. So no one's going to go away hungry from this festival. Good. And you can be sure and catch Mr. and Mrs. Slice characters and snap your photo with them. <laughs> you know, for us true gluten <laughs> And the Kansas Straw Artists will be demonstrating their handiwork. They do such beautiful work. They do. You know, it's not just the flower. And it's, it, there's absolutely artistic things that happen in bread. Yes. We, we see that all the time. Cindy, I've seen your bread sculptures mm -hmm. and they're just so beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Um, but the, the straw weaving yes. is one of our heritage mm -hmm. arts here in Kansas oh, that is. we sometimes lose track of. So it's really neat that they're there to share yeah. that with the next generation. Who knows? And it's it's such a difficult art to do. I've yeah. tried it before. There's no way I can braid, braid uh, bread but not wheat straw. I think it takes a special special skill. Truly a talent, yes. Yes. And we also have a variety of vendors and a merchandise booth. And I want to be sure and mention door prizes. Adults can register for a red professional KitchenAid mixer. Ooh. And you do need to be present to win, but we will draw for that at 4 p.m. sharp. So it's red, not, not K-State purple? It is red this year, yes. Oh. It ties into our patriotic theme. Oh my, oh my <laughs> And kids will want to register for a toy John Deere harvesting set, and oh. they can register for that out in that children's area tent. Great. Mm -hmm. Well now, Cindy, 
like I said, this thing keeps growing and growing and growing. We change and adjust and adapt a little bit. You, you tinker with the recipe a little bit. So this year we've got some new changes to the festival, right? Yes. You know, you were a judge in 2017. So you recall that judging was behind closed doors. Oh, yes. And I was very intimidated because I was told, <laughs> you don't have to have any experience, which was awesome because I'm sitting there with you know, cookbook authors, yeah. professional makers, and a woman that's judged at the state fair since, you know, time of memoriam. And here I am going, I'm not supposed to eat the whole thing. And they're, you know, they're just picking it up and taking a taste. And like, I've got the whole thing in my mouth like a chipmunk. Are we not supposed to do that? <laughs> well, uh, well, this year we have changed it. So judging is going to be on the main stage. It oh, won't wow. so be behind closed doors, beginning at 3 p.m. for the public and the finalists to watch. Good. So that's a big change. Another change is um, we're having a silent auction of the eight finalist breads, and the proceeds then will go to the local Flint Hills bread basket. So that's something new. Before we would auction off the eight finalists' breads mm -hmm. at the closing banquet, which oh, right. um, just a few could bid on those. So that's that's new. So you can bid on a bread. Oh, I maybe <laughs> And then I've always wanted this, but we've never been able to achieve it. Uh, I've always wanted a tabletop flour mill. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time, and I'm so excited. We're having a tabletop mill coming from Denver. So people can learn more about the milling process. Well, and that's such a dear thing to, the, to Kansas State. Because yes. we have the only milling science program, degree program exactly. in the United States. So if you want to go and you want to, you want to have a job in the flour industry, all over the world, you come to Kansas State That's University right. for our, our grain science program, our milling science program. I was once in an airport in Miami wearing my K-State purple, obviously, and I got stopped by a Hispanic gentleman, and he said, Kansas State University, yes. I went through the grain, the milling science program and hand me, handed me his card. Mm -hmm. And he was a miller from, I want to say, Columbia. Wow. Yeah, so no matter where you go, our purple flag is planted proudly because of our flower milling. I'm so excited that, that's, to see that. That's exactly right. Whether you tour a pasta plant or a flour mill mm -hmm. or a large bakery, usually the head person is a K-State alumni. So, We're pretty proud um, of that. Yes, we are. <laughs> uh, besides um, all these other things, we have some new vendors that we're really excited about. I won't name them off. You'll just have to come and see who we've added this year. But um, another th thing that I think is going to be really neat is our theme this year is military appreciation. And so we've asked the Nebraska Wheat Board um, to come down with their baking trailer. And so on Friday, they'll be baking 200 loaves of wheat bread and those will be given to the first 200 military families with a military ID. And then also Kansas Sweet is providing little jars of honey. So um, that's part of our mili military appreciation this year. And for those of you outside of Kansas, you have to understand Manhattan is just next door to Fort Riley. It's a right. U.S. Army installation and it's we've been neighbors with the Big Red One since it was since it was created here in Kansas. And we are proud to be, you know, 
serve, uh, we're proud of the folks that serve in the military and we show our love in all sorts of ways, whether it's a free loaf of bread or yes. a military discount. Yes. <laughs> and well said, that's well said. Um, and so the judging and the award ceremony um, <clears throat> this year will begin with the presentation of colors. And one of the judges is from the Fort Riley Culinary Competition Team. I had no idea that they had a culinary competition team. Didn't either. Oh. Well, I tell you what, ladies, I am tickled. This has been on my calendar since you guys announced the date. Um, every other year, I tell people don't plan anything for that week of June because it may be wheat harvest to you, but it is gluten harvest to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, if you're looking Make sure to come to Manhattan on and spend this day, Saturday, June 8th, at the National Festival of Breads. Don't forget the up-to-date schedule. That's at nationalfestivalofbreads.com. Or, of course, they can always go to ksweet.com, right? Yes. Well, thank you so much, ladies. I, I, I'm i just so tickled. I can't wait till June 8th. <laughs> and I'll bring a big old posse with me. Great. And thanks for being so enthusiastic. It's gluten. Who's not enthusiastic about gluten? <laughs> well, we will see you all there. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Your grain market prices from Dodge City's Pride Egg Resources on May 7th. Corn was up at $3.47. Wheat was up at $3.59. Milo was up at $2.97, and soybeans were down at $6.86. For generations, High Plains Journal's classified ads have been a go-to resource for all of your farm and ranch needs, and soon we will bring that same service and commitment to the digital sphere with our upgraded classifieds online. Check your upcoming issues for more details about this service or call 1-800-452-7171 to talk to one of our account executives. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters at our website, hpj.com slash signup. Simply select the topics that interest you, and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. Next week's print issue of High Plains Midwest Ag Journal is a split issue, with our High Plains Journal readers reading a story about wheat from me and our Midwest Ag Journal readers reading a story about pork from me. Be sure to watch for that in your mailboxes May 20th and look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com podcasts. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. This has been a production of High Plains Journal, all rights reserved. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends of my day. This country life is for me.
Right.